Can you please be seated? Well, we're continuing on in our series this evening on Paul's ministry mates, and this evening uh, we're looking at John Mark. Actually, he's not called John Mark, he's John who is also called Mark. Uh, so John was a, a popular Hebrew name, and Mark is a popular Roman or Latin name, and he got both names like a number of other people in the New Testament. So we have Saul and Paul. And we first read about John Mark in Acts 12, when Peter is miraculously released from prison uh, by the angel. You'll remember it. He makes his way to the home of Mary. And there's a prayer meeting going on for Peter. And Mary is referred to as the mother of John, also called Mark. Acts 12, verse 12. When he, that is Peter, realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered and were praying. And it's likely that John Mark uh, was there in the meeting and that he was acquainted uh, with Peter. Uh, He was an early believer, one of the the early believers. Uh, This was not that long after uh, the Lord Jesus uh, had ascended. And he's involved in the church. His his mother has opened her home for this prayer meeting. Probably the church was meeting there in those early days, and John Mark would have been going along. And this, of course, it's a healthy sign of a Christian, isn't it, that we gather to pray. We gather to pray. And it's likely that John Mark was there in the meeting because he was acquainted with Peter uh, and uh, he was an early uh, believer. And uh, Peter actually refers to John Mark in his first epistle, uh, chapter 5, verse 13. He refers to him as his son. So it's quite likely that John Mark was uh, a convert of Peter. Peter may be involved in in, uh, sharing with him the good news about Jesus and John Mark believing this and trusting this. So it was natural that John Mark would be there praying in that prayer meeting for his friend Peter, the one who had perhaps shared the gospel with him. So John Mark uh, prayed. Uh, Perhaps this is an obvious point, but I I think it's one that that is worth mentioning, because prayer is such a a basic part of the Christian life. It's it's fundamental. It goes together with being a Christian that we pray. We demonstrate our dependence upon the Lord in prayer, and the Lord changes us. He aligns our will to his will as we pray, as we make our requests known to him. And gathering for prayer is encouraged in God's word. It's something that we're to do together as believers. It's vital. It's an essential and it's a normal part of a healthy church and of being a Christian. It's not just for the serious Christians, you know, those who are really dedicated. It's for all of us. And so I start my sermon this evening by asking us to think about when Uh, was the last time we gathered for prayer. And I know I'm speaking to the converted here. 
but it's something that we need to do and something that we need to encourage other to, others to do. Our, our Wednesday nights should be ring-fenced. And when we're asked to do something else, we say, I'm sorry, I can't do that because I have the prayer meeting. It's an important part of our Christian uh, witness and our Christian, Christian work. It's a normal part. I was facilitating a Momentum Yes course. It's a, it's a mission-mobilizing type course, and we just finished uh, last Tuesday there. But one of the points in that, in that uh, course is the history of missions is the history of answered prayer. The history of missions is the history of answered prayers. And when we neglect the prayer meeting, we cut ourselves off from wonderful blessing because we then don't see the, the prayers that we prayed answer. But when we're involved in praying, we see God work and we see God answered and our faith is built. And that's what happened in this situation, of course. They were praying for Peter and for his release and, of course, the Lord miraculously released him. So John Mark prayed. He had responded to the gospel and he was involved in praying. And next we meet John Mark as one who is serving. John Mark served. Paul and Barnabas take John Mark on their missionary journey with them. Acts chapter 12, verse 25. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. John served. John Mark got involved. He went out with Paul and Barnabas and uh, as they sought to make Jesus known and establish churches, he, he was learning, he was helping, he was probably quite young. And yet he dived straight in, didn't he? He wanted to roll up his sleeves and get involved. Uh, he was, uh, along with the, the dynamic duo of, of Paul and Barnabas, probably quite famous, you know, well-recognized in the church, and here was John Mark, and he wanted to get involved in He was a ministry mate. He was involved in ministry, involved in evangelism, involved in, in missionary endeavor. He saw the opportunity to serve, and he took it. He grasped it. He went straight in. His praying moved him to service. Quite often that happens. I don't know if you've noticed that when we're praying for something, the Lord somehow gives us the opportunity to answer that prayer that we've been praying for, to move our hearts to actually uh, move to action. And so the disciples were told to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out workers. And then in the next chapter, the Lord sends them out as workers into the harvest field. That's often how God answers prayer. But John Mark is, is serving, he's getting involved, he's rolling his sleeve up. And so I ask the question, how are we serving? Are we involved in ministry? It's a natural, normal part of Christian service. We look for the opportunities and we respond. We roll up our sleeves and we get involved. And of course, the church here has need of people to serve. We need in our pathfinders, in our Sunday school, missionary secretary. We'll be needing a treasurer soon. Uh, Lots of cleaning still to be done. Lots of different opportunities for us to get involved and to serve. And John Mark was somebody who got involved. He recognized a need and he went for it. He volunteered. And Paul and Barnabas take him along with them. 
involved in team ministry. It wasn't just the two named ones. We hear of Paul and Barnabas going out, but there was others involved. And when you read through the, the epistles, you hear lots of people that, that Paul mentions who were involved serving alongside him, striving with him, working with him. It was team ministry. It was body ministry. And that's what we're about here as well. Body ministry. Each of us have a place. Each of us have a part to play. But thirdly, we see that John Mark messed up. He messed up. Now, we don't know why. It's, I don't think, helpful to speculate what went wrong. But for some reason, John Mark left Paul and Barnabas and went back home. We don't know what it was. But they went on. They went on without him. Carried on. Nothing much more is said about it until they, they go to go on their next mission trip And, well, Barnabas wants to take John Mark along, and Paul doesn't. Paul saw John Mark as someone who was unreliable. He had gone back. He hadn't lasted the missionary course. He was maybe unstable or couldn't take the pressure. Remember, this is not an easy situation to go into. Uh, Paul's missionary journeys, if you hear, lots of things happened to him. He was shipwrecked, he was beaten, uh, there was lots of opposition, and uh, it wasn't easy to be on those missionary journeys. And uh, it was difficult. But Barnabas seems to take John Mark's side. He wants to encourage him. And we read in Colossians 4 verse 10 that John Mark was actually a cousin of Barnabas. But I don't think it's just that there were family ties here that Barnabas was maybe a wee bit soft on John Mark. Barnabas, we saw, as the pastor told us, was, uh, was also called the son of encouragement. He was the one who brought others along. And uh, he brought, uh, went to Tarsus and he brought Saul along to help him at Antioch. And then he brought Saul to the believers and vouched for him. And he's, he's bringing John Mark along. He's, he's that kind of person. He, he wants to bring others along. He wants to give others opportunities uh, to serve. He wants to encourage them in the Lord. That's a great ministry, isn't it? One of encouraging, of bringing others along and of including others in, in what we're doing. But Paul didn't want John Mark for whatever reason. Uh, he didn't think he was needed there. Um, missionary endeavor, well, it's not for the faint-hearted. It's for the mighty men. It's for the mighty men, the ones who can face the challenges. Let's read about it in Acts 15, verse 36. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with him John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had gone with them and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord, and he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. There arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. John Mark divided opinion. 
Uh, and we, we immediately want to ask the question, well, well, who was right? Was Paul right or was Barnabas right? Which of them had, had the high ground in all of this? Was it Paul who went on and we, we read lots more about God seems to have blessed him? Or was it Barnabas who, well, we don't read anything more about him really uh, after this point. Two well-respected brothers in the Lord have a sharp disagreement. For me, this is one of the reasons why the Bible is trustworthy, uh, for it betrays the truth, warts and all. They had a disagreement. It's not something you, uh, you would want out in the open if, if you were trying to present Christianity as something that was perfect and, and man-made. It doesn't try to hide these things. And the incident reveals, I think, an important truth for us, that God is sovereign in our mistakes. God is sovereign in our mistakes. The reality is probably that Paul and Barnabas were both right in some things and both wrong in some things. And yet God overrules and God blesses both parties as they leave for their two separate missionary journeys. I work in the world of mission and sometimes there are disagreements and sometimes there are sharp disagreements and if you've been in the church for a while you'll know that that happens in church life as well unfortunately. And in fact my own mission agency UFM Worldwide started out because of a disagreement. C.T. Studd whom some of you may know, a very famous uh, missionary, formed uh, an agency called WEC. Uh, but in 1931, uh, he had been starting to promote what's described as muscular Christianity. Muscular Christianity. And he called Christians to, to turn their backs on the world and to give their all for Jesus. A commendable thing, you would have thought. Uh, C.T. Studd would have been in the Paul camp, I suggest, uh, no time for people who turn back, no time for people who don't turn up to the prayer meeting, no time for people who are, who are weak-kneed and, and uh, spend their time frivolously uh, enjoying themselves in the world instead of committing 100% to the work of the gospel. No time for half-hearted Christians. And he developed a slogan uh, which he often repeated in public, uh, called Don't Care a D, and I'll not repeat it from the pulpit. But it, it offended many Christians in his day. Uh, and his point was that, that Christians shouldn't care about the world. They shouldn't get caught up with money and clothing and housing and, and frivolous things, as he saw them. Rather, they should give their all 100% to Jesus. Uh, and he was... The, a perfect example of that. A uh, high-flying cricketer gave up the cricketing career to be a missionary, uh, had plenty of money from a, a rich family, gave it all away, invested it uh, in the gospel to be a missionary in China and India and Africa. He, he didn't just talk the talk, he walked it and was a, a living example of that. So anyway, the mission board were not so keen on, on CT Studs' uh, 
rhetoric and, and the methods that he was using uh, at this time. And so they asked him to leave the mission. Uh, but he said, well, you know, I started this mission, so if anybody's going to leave, then you need to leave. So the mission board resigned, and they formed uh, Unevangelized Fields Mission, and C.T. Studd went on, and, and WEC continues. And, and just shortly after that, later in 1931, C.T. Studd actually died, so there wasn't an opportunity for any reconciliation. But both organizations carried on, and both have had... Uh, both have been used by God and have a, a profitable history for the gospel. And so my point is that God overrules our mistakes. God is sovereign. God, God can be pleased to use us despite our failings, despite our mess-ups and our um, falling out with each other. A similar result then happens with Paul and Barnabas. They go their separate ways and God seems to bless them both, so much so that Paul can later uh, refer to John Mark as a valuable fellow worker, the same guy who had gone back before, who wasn't worthy for him to take on his missionary journey. Later on in life, Paul can actually commend him for being profitable, useful, uh, a valuable fellow worker in Philemon 24 and in 2 Timothy 4, verse 11, where he writes, uh, Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is very useful to me for ministry. He's very useful to me for ministry. The same guy who's messed up, divided opinion, fallen out over him, yet now he is uh, restored. He's restored. God overrules even in our disagreements and fallouts. But of course, God expects us to be forgiving and gracious, doesn't he? Um, he expects us to forgive others. These fallouts, these disagreements, well, they're not God-honoring, are they? But God can use them anyway, but we shouldn't be doing them. But God can use our failures. It's an amazing thing to think about. So... But we shouldn't sit around licking our wounds, just saying, well, you know, God, God will overrule in this situation. We're to, to go on. John Mark actually went on, got involved again, didn't he? There's a task to do. There's a, a, a life to live. There's a, there's a God to glorify. And so even when we, we have these disagreements, these mess-ups, we're to respond in a way which glorifies the Lord and we're to seek his glory. We're not to hold on to grudges. We're not to hold on uh, to these things because that's not glorifying to God. And Paul was able to forgive John Mark and to accept him and indeed value him. Jesus, on his teaching of the, the Lord's Prayer uh, in Matthew 6, goes on to say that our forgiveness is connected our being forgiven is connected to our forgiving others in some way. We are to forgive because of the great debt that we've been forgiven. And I think it's as we go deeper into the gospel and as we fully understand the amazing depth of debt that we owed and that we have been forgiven by God through the Lord Jesus Christ and the amazing cost of that in the Lord Jesus going to Calvary that helps us 
in our ability to forgive others who have wronged us or hurt us in different ways. We're to be forgiving and we're to accept our brothers and sisters in the Lord. Perhaps there's someone that you need to forgive. Maybe you've disagreed in the past, maybe not so distantly. Do you need to be reconciled? Is there something that you can do about that? Is there something in your heart that you need to bring to the Lord and ask for help in forgiving? But John Mark is restored, and he's written off by Paul. Uh, He was written off by Paul, but Barnabas takes him, and God restores him, and God makes him useful again. John Mark just didn't sit back and lick his wounds and say, "Ah, well, that's it. You don't want me? That's it. You know, a pox on all your houses. I'm just going to go and sit in my wee uh, house and give off and groan and grump. No, he still goes with Barnabas. He rolls up his sleeves again and he tries again. He gets involved again in ministry. I don't know. If you messed up in the past, has this hindered your service in some way? Do you avoid putting yourself forward uh, because of the past? Is the past weighing you down? Is it affecting how you serve the Lord? John Mark teaches us uh, to try again. He calls us to be useful. The Lord calls us to be useful for our master. Perhaps someone has let us down in the past. Maybe that's it. I wonder, have we written people off because of past failures? Or are we able to give them another opportunity uh, to serve and to help? Are we able to trust again? Are we like Barnabas? Are we able to, to be able to get over that difficulty and to give someone uh, another opportunity to come alongside them and encourage them in the Lord and seek to restore them. Ultimately, of course, each of us serve the Lord, don't we? Not each other. The pastor was talking about this uh, uh, last week. We serve the Lord, don't we? He is our master. Whatever we're doing, we're serving the Lord. He's the one that we're looking the well done from. Well done, good and faithful servant. Uh, And so even as we serve each other, ultimately we're serving the Lord with his glory that we're interested in. So is there a reconciliation that needs to happen? And are you able to make the first step? But let us rejoice in the fact that God overrules even our failures. It's an amazing thing to think that God can overrule our failures, isn't it? Uh, God even overrules uh, in sinful situations. And we have that amazing passage in Acts where even the, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ going to the cross, that most sinful of actions God used for the greatest glory and the greatest good. God is able to overrule and to use Uh, use our circumstances for his glory and for our ultimate good. And we need to rejoice in that. Let's not let our past hinder our present and future service. John Mark's restored and John Mark is useful. Uh, 
Some people attribute Mark's gospel to John, who was also called Mark. Um, some people also think that he went on to, to be Mark the evangelist and to establish Alexandria, which was a, an influential uh, church in Egypt uh, involved in, in early church history and evangelism in that area. But there's not anything conclusive to say whether that, that happened or not. But, but whether it is or not, we know anyway, the way Paul writes about John Mark, that he was useful, he was a faithful worker, and he was valued in the ministry that he got involved in. John Mark's heart was to serve his master. Sometimes he got it wrong, but he wanted to serve, and so he got up and he carried on. That's what he did. He wanted to serve God, and he made himself available. You know, sometimes people blame God for, um, for, for the lack of opportunities that they have at the minute in life. Sometimes people blame past mistakes. You, you maybe hear people saying things like, you know, I'm living, I'm living my second best life because I missed that choice. I didn't take that, that opportunity that, that God gave me. And so now I'm living this second life, a, a somehow inferior life. But that's not how it works. This passage teaches us that God, God overrules all our choices and God has a way for us that we can still be useful and we can still be used by him. And we're not to blame God. I'm not to blame old choices. That, that means that we haven't got opportunities now to serve the Lord. God overrules our choices. And so we can rejoice in that. And we can rejoice in the opportunities that God gives us. John Mark prayed a normal part of Christian living. He served something that we should all be involved in rolling up our sleeves. He messed up, divided opinion, but he was restored and was useful in the Lord's service. May we each learn to be useful servants for our master. Let's pray. Father God, we, we thank you for Thank you that you are in control, that you are sovereign, that you rule. Thank you, Father, that you give us opportunities to serve. Thank you, Father, that you there's no choices that we can make that, that thwart or upset your plans. But rather, Father, you lead us, you guide us, you're gentle with us. And you give us opportunities to repent of our sin and to be restored and to again serve and be useful for you and bring glory to you and to the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Help each of us to recognize that, Father, I pray, and to always seek to be useful servants for you, our Master. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.